0: Hello and welcome to a special Florida Swing episode of the 4 Press Podcast presented by GolfWeek.com. I'm your host, David Dusek, and this week my guest is Golf Week's Jason Lusk. Jason is the resident expert in all things Florida golf, not only being a native of the Sunshine State, but also being an excellent stick, as well as the foremost expert on golf courses and resorts at Golf Week Magazine and GolfWeek.com. So I tapped his brain to tell me why I should start loving and appreciating Florida golf more. To me, like to a lot of you, I suppose, Florida golf means force carries over waters on par threes, flat, monotonous, somewhat boring golf courses. There are a few exceptions to be sure, but I'm not 100% sold on Florida golf. But in the podcast that you're about to hear, Jason and I break down some of the great places where you can go play golf in the state of Florida, not needing to go necessarily to private clubs, but places that are open to the public where if you're planning a buddy trip, if you want to get away from the last remnants of winter and get your game going before you head out onto the links, either in the Midwest, the Northeast, maybe out in the Pacific Northwest, or the Rockies, if you're looking to make a Florida trip, this podcast is for you. Get stronger, hit longer, and end pain with Golf Forever. Created by Justin Leonard, And co-author of the Younger Next Year Backbook, Dr. Jeremy James. Golf Forever is the take-anywhere online golf fitness program that helps you build a body prime for golf. It's simple, safe, and it works. At home, in the gym, on the golf course, Golf Forever's easy-to-follow exercises, warm-up routines, and course management videos will help you play your best, pain-free. Sign up today at GolfForever.com and use promo code GolfWeek for a free 14-day trial. Okay, I'm joined by Jason Lusk from Golf Week Magazine and GolfWeek.com, and Jason, you have a job today. Your job is to convince me and everybody else listening to this podcast that Florida golf means more than just great weather. As I'm sitting here uh, at the sort of end part of February, we're recording this on Tuesday, February 25th, it's gray outside my house here in Connecticut. A lot of people who are in the Northeast, the Midwest, we're we're sick of bad weather and snow, although I have to admit it's been a pretty easy winter as winters go in these parts. When I think of Florida golf, though, I think more quantity than quality. There are a lot of places to play golf in Florida. You and I have had a chance to peg it up, although not as often as we should. Um, but as the PGA Tour makes its swing from the West Coast, uh, and in this case, then Mexico, where the guys were playing last weekend in Mexico City, we're now going towards Florida. And I thought this would be the perfect time to chat with you. And let you inform our audience about some of the places where they should play in Florida. But tell me if I'm wrong. Almost, it it seems like the stereotype of Florida golf, which to me is um, forced carries on on par threes over water, deadpan flat, and not a lot of variety. Am I wrong about Florida golf, or is that nailing the vast majority of it?
1: In general, there's a a lot of truth to what you're saying. There, there's 1,300 courses in Florida and the vast majority of them are flat, and they are pretty similar. Uh, but there are some different courses out there that are reflected in our Golf Week's Best Rankings that utilize some landscape and have some hills and, and have some variety that really make those courses stand out, and they're different because of it. So the, there is a, a lot of truth to the fact that there is some sameness to Florida golf. Um, that doesn't mean it's not good. It you know Sometimes when you have perfection, you just want to wash, rinse, repeat. and and that's what's happened down here but at the same time there are a handful of courses across the state that are very different if you move up through the the spine of Florida there's a geographic area called the Florida Ridge that runs basically from west of Orlando and runs north about a hundred miles and there's some surprising hills out there and they built some great golf courses coming off that spine of the state uh, you look around and it you know world woods is out there uh, mission Inn with el campion is a great golf course just north of orlando and you would be surprised yep. at how hilly and, and the features of those courses if we dropped you out there you would think you're in north carolina um maybe not in the pure mountains of north carolina of course but out, on yeah. some of the middle parts of the state and uh they, and that's what you hear over and over again down here is these are carolina store style courses have a lot of roll they have some bounce and they're not the the typical reclaimed marshland that so many of the courses are
0: so let's break up the state into sort of areas and i want to try and give some people who may not be familiar with florida may not have planned out buddy trips to this area or or they just haven't done this yet and basically gotten on a plane or dropped in a car and gone down we're going to break up the state of florida which i can tell you the first time i went to florida i had to drive from syracuse new york to key west which I don't recommend for anybody. That was one of the worst ways to spend the better part of two full days by myself in a car. Um, that was leaving on January 1st. It must have been January 1st, 1994. I was a tennis pro at the time, and I was going down to the Hawks Cay Resort, which is actually mile marker 61 on Duck Key, which most people have no idea what the heck that means, and you being a, a fishing guy would know exactly what that is. Uh, I was at the Hawks Cay I was at the Hawks Cay Resort and uh, had housing that was on the island, thankfully, because I could never afford to live there. But I bring it up because I remember reaching on the morning of day two the Florida line, and and being naive, me, all of twenty two or twenty three years old, whatever I was at the time. Um, I hit Florida. I'm like, oh, sweet! And eight hours later, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm reaching Miami, and I'm like, oh my god, I've still got the better part of two and a half hours on US one now. To get myself down to the Keys. It's a big, long state. Let's talk about South Florida to begin with, which let's consider Alligator Alley, which is BI 75 going west, uh, east and west from, say, Fort Lauderdale over to Naples. So, really, we're talking Miami um, in that area. Where are some of the better places that, that most people can, can get on, and where should they play golf?
1: Well, they, there's a lot of options down in South Florida. And, and normally when you say South Florida, people are talking about the southeast side uh, around Miami. Uh, they, there are a lot of courses down there that are very similar. Uh, you know, water is in play like you talked about. You know, it's forced carries. There's, there's water everywhere. If you dig a hole down there, it's going to fill up with water pretty much. So the, the way they build the golf courses is they dredge uh, – ponds and they dredge areas to create ponds and then they use that fill to build up the fairways uh, at, at a higher grade so that they don't flood out so there, there is some sameness to how it's built down there and, and there's tweaks that the the designers make within the courses to make some better than others and uh, but there's just so many options you, you mentioned you know we're having this discussion because the Florida swing is coming in and PGA National is, is one of the top places down there their champion course it, it's held a Ryder Cup it holds the Honda every year um, that, that is a prime example of a pure Florida golf course there's just water everywhere there, the fairways are still fairly wide but uh, if, if you're spraying the golf ball out there you can lose a dozen golf balls really quick and there's just a, a lot of options you know Trump National Doral Miami what, the Blue Monster course down there is just an incredibly hard golf course and it, it's fun to play it um, as long as you know going into it that it's going to be a very difficult course because when you combine that kind of rough with that kind of water and firm greens uh, you, you're going to lose golf balls there, there's going to be some sprayed shots so it, if you're a 10 handicap you can't get upset about shooting you know five or six shots worse than than your handicap you're doing okay because they're just some really monster courses down there and down in that part of the yeah, state there's also you. some really prime uh, private clubs Uh, you know running down from uh, well including Naples on the west coast of Florida all the way over to the east side there's just a lot of really good private club golf and residential golf yeah and so that might not be as inviting to a tourist but if you're looking to move down here and really have a high-end golf experience there are several available like that and that's why so many of the pga tour pros have packed up from orlando that the younger guys have left orlando they used to all live at isleworth or lake nona or somewhere here in orlando and now they're living in the jupiter area and that's kind of been spawned by the guys like ricky fowler now tiger lives down there and it's because the high-end options down there are really good and there are a lot of them
0: yeah, I mean, let's sort of go back just for a second. You you mentioned PJ National. That's going to be the site of this week's Honda. Um, we've both played that. You've played that, right?
1: Oh, yeah, several times.
0: Yeah, as have I. And um, I can tell you that it's, to me, it's fun because there's, you know, every time the, that the announcers on NBC say bear trap, you know, drink. Uh, but it's it's a fun set of holes to sort of finish it off. It's, it's a great opportunity to play some hero golf. Like when you go down there, um, I don't recall a whole lot of the holes in terms of you know something really especially unique or things that really stood out in my mind. But I do remember getting to 16, 17, 18. And remember that the the finish there is no joke. I mean that is not a made up for TV kind of experience. It is a really, really challenging par three over the water. Um, it's a hero shot. There's no getting around it. I don't think that there's really a whole heck of a lot of bailout on the left. You're gonna go over the water or you're going to go in it. And for a lot of people, that's intimidating, um, but it can be fun. It can be exhilarating. If you hit a good shot, you're going to certainly remember it. And I think also the the par 5, it's a par 5, the um, the 18th, if I'm not mistaken, is also one of the more heroic shots that you have an opportunity to play on the PGA Tour. I saw Rory McIlroy there one year hit a 5-woods that was just epic and en route. I'm pretty sure that that was about three or four years ago it's it just sets up you see that water going all down the right you can play it safe if you're not a really accomplished or if you're not feeling like you got it that day there's plenty of room to bail out on the left but the wind is always blowing and then you're going to go over onto a sort of somewhat of a peninsula or an out pushing of land to reach the green it's a great setup for a finish for for championship golf isn't it
1: yeah it, it, it's a special place and you know we're coming off the west coast to where you hear the term kukuya grass over and over again so every time you hear that on the west coast swing you drink now in florida every time you hear bear trap it might be time to drink this time of year so it starts at the 15th hole and there's a a big statue there of a bear and uh, so you got to get your instagram photo with the bear but the the 15th hole is a medium length par three plays with water short and right uh the the is to the left of course with the water on the right but even if you miss it over there you you've got almost nothing it's easy to hit the lake with a chip shot from the the left side of that green coming out of the rough Uh, then you've got a a medium-length par 4 with water everywhere then you've got another par 3 17 with uh, water short and right Uh, no bailout really no feasible bailout no reasonable bailout because you're going to be lucky to make a bogey from that tall grass over on the left side. And then the 18th hole is a really interesting serpentine kind of hole. It's a, it's an S-shaped hole. Uh, the, right. the long pros, Rory McIlroy, can hit a 5-wood into that green. But for amateurs playing that hole, the layup is one of the hardest layups in the state. Uh, you're hitting it across water. Then there are bunkers with raised lips on the other side of the water so you can't see the landing area so you're standing there trying to hit your second shot you say 200 yards and you can't really tell where to play it because the the fairway is shifting away from you at a, a strange angle to the right the the layup area is not in sight you're trying to figure out yardages and it, it's hard to get set over that ball and comfortable and hit a good shot So even for the people who don't go for the green in two, like the tour pros, that's still a really hard shot. You can hit your second shot in the lake very easily trying to lay up there. Uh, So it's just a really hard stretch of holes. It's very interesting, and it's great for tournament golf. But uh, going into those holes, you have to be ready to lose a couple golf balls because there's just so much water.
0: Well, and, and the turf, like we sort of alluded to a little bit, is very different than what a lot of people, especially if they haven't played golf in a while in the Midwest, the Northeast, or even on the West Coast, it's a different kind of a situation i mean you're you're faced with a different type of grass and if you watch nbc during the florida swing you can't help but every about 30 minutes talk hear people talking about the grain you know hey you know do you see how it's dark on the green in one area and brighter and kind of shinier in the others explain to people exactly what grain is all about and if you've never putted on greens where where grain is an issue what what do you got to know
1: well it's the the various bermuda grass uh doesn't grow straight up. The blades grow up and then they lean to a side. Uh, The the old saying is that they lean towards the setting sun, so southwest uh, in the winter. So you could try to figure that out. But in reality, they move with the water. So downhill putts tend to be down grain putts. Uphill putts tend to be into the grain. And you can see the shine on the greens. You can stand in the middle of a nice green, like at PGA National, and look around, and there'll be shiny areas going down the hills. There'll be darker areas going up the hills. And then if you move and shift your position, those areas of shine change uh, as you do. And so you constantly have to be aware that this putt's going to be a lot faster than the one I had on the last hole. Uh, you have to be ready on uphill putts to really hit them firm and some of the downhill putts you really have to be ginger with them because you know for the tour pros they get those greens rolling at about a 12 and then you add that grain down the hill and the ball just will not stop so it's Bermuda grass it's not bent it's not as fast as bent grass gets but on the downhill putts it can be so you you can really struggle with that and the the other interesting thing with grass and the surface coverings down here in the wintertime which is the peak season in Florida they want the golf courses looking their best, so they cover everything in ryegrass. You get rye fairways, you get rye rough, you get rye greens and chipping areas, and ryegrass is very sticky. Uh, you know, going back to that Kikuya grass on the West Coast, they yeah. talk about how sticky it yeah. is. And it's the same thing with ryegrass in Florida because it holds a lot of water. And that's why you see mud balls in Florida because the, the grass is holding water. There's a, a very thin layer of mud right underneath the grass quite often. Um, So when it lands in the fairway or even on the green, it picks up mud. Um, That's why you'll see them on tour quite often playing lift, clean, and cheat in Florida because there are just so many mud balls, it's hard to get away from it. But that also makes it very difficult to chip and to hit pitch shots. And you'll even see pros struggling with that because if you are using a lob wedge that does not have much bounce, you have to be very precise because the ground is not forgiving at all. You'll throw that club down into the ball and only miss by a quarter of an inch and the club will just stop on that layer of mud as the, the bounce in the wedge bites into the ground and the ball's going to go two feet and it's a, a really embarrassing shot but you do see tour pros do it and then some of the guys are trying to pick the shot so cleanly so they don't hit that mud layer that then you see them scull them and hit them thin so it, it gets into your head after you miss a few of those and you've seen players, you know, going back to when Tiger Woods was struggling, you would see Tiger Woods missing chips, and that's because he was moving and he talked about how his impact point had changed and stuff like that. And when you're playing on an unforgiving surface like damp ryegrass, it gets really difficult to get that impact point at the perfect spot. So if, if you're coming down here to play for any length of time, I, I would certainly suggest investing in a wedge that has a lot of bounce to it. Um, the, the wedge makers sell – you know, 60 degree wedges that have four degrees of bounce, and then they sell other versions that have a big sole on them, kind of like the the Sandy Andy wedges we had from the 80s. And you can throw that big soled wedge down into the grass and it'll keep moving across that layer of mud and across that soft surface. And it it just makes it a whole lot more forgiving. So it's something you might look into if you're coming on a vacation in Florida and and really want to invest in your game and, and have the best equipment for the conditions.
0: So if your head wasn't thoroughly screwed up by the intimidation that the water all presents, now you can't chip, you can't pitch from, from around the greens. Enjoy your game of golf, everybody, and have fun on your vacation. That was brought to you by the Florida Board of Tourism. I got a great lesson from how to to chip and pitch in Florida conditions um, right across the straight from PGA National, which t- to me is, you know, with all due respect, it's a great golf course. It's a lot of fun to play out there. It, it has a big property kind of a feel to it. it, it there's, there's housing that you're going to see. There's hundreds of resort guests. Um, go across the state over to Calusa Pines Golf Club. If you if you've got an inn or if you if you belong to a club and you're pro can write a letter and get you in over at Calusa Pines. It's a really, really sweet Hertz and Fry design that is sort of the exact opposite of that. I think that you're going to see aside from the clubhouse, you might be able to spot one or two houses someplace. But it's set back into the Florida woods. It's across the street um, from Twin Eagles Golf Club, which is a much more so what I would consider traditional Florida track, where there's there's going to be a lot of houses and a real sort of flat layout, like we had talked about. Calusa Pines, they moved a lot of earth. I mean that they really created a lot of elevation changes there. There's a lot of sandy waste areas. It's it's dramatic. It's striking. And Eden Foster was the director of golf there at the time. This is going back to probably about 2005, 2006 when I first visited the property. And um, aside from having a chance to play the course, which was a real treat, he basically was teaching me all, all about how you do these things, which I think is critical. I mean, when you go on a vacation, no one wants to play bad golf when you're on vacation. That's a really great, I don't think that people really expect to, to shoot great numbers. You're not going on a golf trip with your buddies looking to post. Um, but you don't want to play crap golf either. And, and so it's, it's worth maybe taking a couple lessons, just making sure, especially if you haven't played in a few months that you've got something that borderline resembles a swing. Um, as we swing north and sort of into central Florida, let's talk about some places where people should go. I suppose real quick before we leave South Florida, flying in and out. Um, I'm assuming that Miami is probably in Fort Lauderdale going to be the biggest and easiest airports. But I also think that flying in and out of West Palm, depending on how much the price difference is going to be, West Palm's airport is actually really good. People shouldn't sit on that. Do you have any other travel tips for people flying into South Florida who are maybe going to be playing a little bit of golf?
1: Uh, Like you said, Miami's the big central hub. Uh, There's all kinds of flights into Miami. Uh, Getting in and out of that city is a mess. I I used to live down there. I worked at the Miami Herald 20 years ago, and it's just a hard city to navigate. There's so much traffic that, uh, you know, if you're landing at uh, 11 o'clock, don't have a 1 o'clock tea time because you're not going to make it anywhere unless you're playing Doral, uh, Trump National, because it's right next to uh, the airport. But otherwise, you're going to have to factor in some time. But, uh, like you mentioned, the Lauderdale airport is great uh it's still a little busy up there, but it's a much smaller, more manageable airport and like you said, West Palm is a great airport, so you can fly into West Palm and get in and out um uh, There's options there, and sometimes you have to pay a little bit more to get into West Palm, but it might be worth it to avoid some of that traffic
0: yeah no i i it's it's the move that I try to make you know if if the cost isn't astronomically different, I will go in and out of West Palm every day of the week now. People going every day uh, in and out of Orlando and Tampa. Plenty of golf courses in and around that area. We sort of touched upon some of the stuff that's just north of there. Where are some of the places in Central Florida that you would recommend people try and play some golf?
1: Well, if you're coming down here and want to see the best of it in Central Florida, that's going to be at Streamsong with the, the three courses down there, the, the red, the black, and the blue. And it's strange to me to think that it's been down there for almost 10 years now. Uh, I, I still yeah. think of it as a brand new destination resort. But the the red and the blue courses, uh, the red being built by Corin Crenshaw and the blue being built by Doak, uh, have been there going on 10 years. They're actually going to be redoing the greens out there over the next two years, um, which, which just shows how fast time flies. And then the black course is about four years old now. Uh, that's a Gil Hance course, and it, it's phenomenal. And the, the thing about Stream Streamsong, um, it, it's a wide open place. It's built on a former phosphate mining site. And so there's no trees. Uh, the ground moves all over the place because they've been piling up sand from the phosphate mining process over the last 100 years. And it, it's like nothing else in Florida. You, you hear comparisons that you're playing golf on the moon. You hear comparisons that you're playing out in the desert. Um, the conditions are fast and firm. It's very unflorida like And so it, it's not traditional Florida golf. It's very interesting and it's very good. And those courses, the, the three courses there rank number two, three, and four in the state of Florida for public access courses behind TPC Sawgrass. So when you've got the number two, three, and four courses at your destination, you, you've got something really special.
0: You're doing something right. Yeah, for sure.
1: And you can get into there from Tampa. It's about an hour and 15 minutes from the Tampa airport. It's about an hour and 45 minutes from the Orlando airport. It's out in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing out there near this resort.
0: And that was what I wanted to talk with you real quick about, Jason, is that the, the, the knock from everybody that I've gone to, or that everybody I've spoken with about Streamsong Who's Gone, um, is we love it once we're there, but once you're there, sort of like Bandon, you never leave. Like, there's nothing else around it. There, there's nowhere else to go, nothing else to do. You go to Streamsong to play golf, enjoy that, and then you leave. That's pretty much the case, right?
1: That, that is the case. They built a giant hotel out there, uh, a really modern, kind of postmodern hotel, and when you're on that property you're not thinking about going into Tampa you know to to have a drink with your friend or anything like that you know it's a bit of a haul so when you are at Streamsong you're definitely just at Streamsong but at the same time the amenities out there are world-class and you mentioned how it's like Bandon and that's not by accident Uh, the the people who helped build the course at uh, Streamsong were former Mosaic executives who got the ball rolling and those were guys who played golf at Bandon Dunes quite a bit out in Oregon uh, and it, it's not a coincidence that it's the same designers building the course at StreamSong. They looked at Bandon as a model and built StreamSong as kind of a Bandon model as that destination course to where it takes a little bit of work to get there, but there's a payoff when you do get there. And and that's like a lot of the different courses. If you look up in Nova Scotia, what they built up there, um, you know, it's Bandon, cabin. different places in Nebraska. They, these are not easy places to get to. But they're the courses mm-hmm. that when you get to them, you, you just want to stay on property, play golf, relax in the evening, and then get up and play more golf. And Streamsong definitely fits that model.
0: So the PJ Tour is going to be playing just outside of Tampa. Um, tell me a little bit about some of the stuff as you go if you go north of Streamsong, which is on the Gulf side. Um, Sort of, in, in, in that's it. if you're going to go a little bit further north and maybe head more towards the I-4 corridor, what do you like?
1: Well, uh, I used to live up there. I lived about two miles from Innisbrook, where they play the Valspar tournament. And Innisbrook yep. is, is one of those examples of a course that's very different than a typical Florida course. It's it's on rolling sand, uh, rolling hills. Uh, you could easily think you're playing a North Carolina course there because there's twenty, thirty, forty feet of elevation changes at times. Uh, the the 18th hole at Valspar shoots straight up a hill. And you've got kind of a, from the middle of the fairway, you don't see a whole lot of the green. There's a bunker in the way. You're trying to land a shot on a steep green. It's a very difficult shot, but it doesn't feel like a Florida shot. That feels like a South Carolina or a North Carolina type of golf shot. And that's what makes Valspar uh, kind of a different, special place. You know, Innisbrook and the Copperhead course rank in the top 10 in the state of Florida for public access. Uh, They've got a very nice uh, resort there. It's only about a mile inland from the Intracoastal Waterway there but it does not feel like a Florida golf course at all. It, it has a very different vibe, and that's why some of the tour pros really like it. Uh, when, when I lived over there, we'd always see the, the press reports that uh, many of the tour pros ranked it as one of their favorite five or 10 golf courses on the tour each year. Uh, not all of them, but some of them did. And it was because it had that different mm-hmm. feel. It just didn't feel like you're playing golf in Florida. So I, I would definitely recommend Innisbrook. Uh There's TPC course, uh, TPC Tampa there that uh, hosted a senior tour event for years. Um, That's a very nice course. It's a little flatter, more traditional Florida, but but it's a lot of fun. And then about an hour up the road uh, you get to World Woods, which has two courses. And World Woods courses, uh, at one point they were both ranked in the top 100 modern courses in the country. And those are really built into a sandy uh, area that it's just full of waste bunkers. The, The course is built on sand. It rolls fast and firm. And World Woods has had some troubles over the years at different times, either having really great conditions or, or not so great conditions. Right now it's playing really well. Yeah,
0: that was the word that I heard is that it's, it's just inconsistent. People would go and love it, and people would go back the following year and have a totally different yeah, experience. Yeah,
1: right, right now if you went to World Woods, you would love it. It's in good shape right now. Everything's playing well, and it, it just does not feel like Florida golf. It is, it is a fast and firm golf course filled with sand, waste areas, out in the middle of nowhere, kind of again, uh, about an hour north of Tampa. It's really easy to get to. So I would put Worldwoods on the list. You, you could play 36 out there in a day and have a really good day.
0: So I'm going to come at you with, I don't usually have these scorching hot takes when it comes to golf courses and things. I'll leave that to the true experts such as yourself. But if you're going to fly into Orlando and you're going to go with your family and, and, and partake in the mouse and, and do the whole Disney or Universal thing, is the most fun golf course you can play Winter Park? Or is it worth sort of dropping a few more nickels and playing some of the, the places at Disney? Because I got to tell you, I love playing the Winter Park Nine. I think that is one of the most unique, fun things, and I know that they've made a, a, a pretty nice investment—not a huge investment, but substantial enough over the last couple of years to fix it back up. And it's riotous fun, but at the same time, it's if you're if you're off the the course, if you're if you're in um, the Orlando resorts then getting there isn't the easiest thing in the world but I think it's almost worth the trip don't you
1: I, I absolutely do it from the resorts it would be 45 minutes uh, to get over to the winter park nine winter park is a a little town just north of Orlando uh, 10 minutes north of downtown Orlando and what what it is the, 100 years ago there used to be an 18-hole course with a nine-hole course wrapped inside of it. the 18-hole course vanished a long time ago the nine-hole course remained as a community course and until about five years ago, it was just very short, uh, 2,400 yards or whatever the number is, yeah. Uh, yeah, little pancake greens that were flat, and there, were, there was nothing to it. We, we used to go out there all the time because you could beat it around and play it in an hour and a half, and it was just kind of fun. Uh, but then Keith Reb and Riley Johns came in four years ago and redesigned it for the city of Winter Park. And Keith, in particular, is one of the main shapers for Corrin Crenshaw. So he goes all around the world. He, he spent much of last year at Kapalua, rebuilding Kapalua uh... where they have the uh, Tournament of champions and he he's actually the guy on the ground on the bulldozer shaping the earth for these fantastic world-beating golf courses and he lives in winter park florida so he talked to the city and said what can we do to save this golf course and turn it in, in, into something besides condos and they gave him the opportunity to, to go out there and recover all the grass surfacings and rebuild those greens and i gotta tell you they might be the best green complexes in the state of florida the 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 holes are very short most of the par fours are drivable even for medium length hitters you know the the opening Mm -hmm. hole is 230 yard par four but the way the green is shaped it's almost impossible to keep a ball on it with your tee shot And so you hit a ball up near the green somewhere, and depending where the flag is, you might have a very easy shot where everything is feeding down, or you might have an extreme slope with the the flag sitting in the back perched up three feet above the rest of the surface, and just have an impossible chip shot to where you're trying to figure out how to get down in three from 30 feet away. And they're just some (laughs) of the funnest greens you can ever imagine. The more times you play it, the more you love it, because you realize there's all these different shots. And they they really worked hard to keep the place firm. Uh, They they put a nice sand base in around all the greens so the ball rolls out a little bit off the greens. Uh, You can putt the ball off of those greens. It's a golf course to where if you put those same tiny little greens on a 7,200-yard golf course, people would want to kill you because it would be unplayable. (laughs) If if you're hitting four irons into these greens, it would just be impossible. But because you're hitting chip shots and pitch shots, and even for a beginner, you're hitting wedge shots into these greens, it makes it playable, and you can really go out there and have a good time and hit a large variety of shots. Anyone coming to Orlando needs to get out there and check it out. It's amazing, in a a state that has 1,300 golf courses like Florida, for a 2,400-yard nine-hole golf course that that basically some of the par fours are really more like long par threes Uh, that course has moved into the top 25 in the state in our public access list
0: hey ever hear about the ex-football star who robbed a brinks truck then tucked four hundred thousand dollars under his arm like a football and escaped using an inner tube no then you'll want to listen to season one of the sneak a podcast by for the win and usa today sports here take a quick listen to the man who actually pulled that off
1: In 2008, a former D1 football star pulled off a robbery so daring and so strange that it went viral worldwide. It was a perfect crime story. There was just one problem it wasn't the real story of what happened. The Sneak is a new serialized true crime podcast from For the Win and USA Today Sports. You can subscribe now on Apple Podcasts or get it anywhere you get podcasts on Tuesday, January 14th.
0: Yeah. And I'll be telling you, you know, I'm going to be down for, for Bay Hill next week. And, uh, I'm looking forward to trying to, to get myself on there because everybody else in the world is is going down there, getting a tea time or being able to just, just jump into a group, uh, after I leave Bay Hill is, I know going to be a little bit of a challenge. Um, but it's, it's riotous and it's exactly what golf kind of needs a lot more of, in my opinion, which is, um, courses that aren't necessarily the biggest and longest and most stout, but the focus on the fun part to bring people back again and again, to make it to be really inviting. It's, it's a great hang. It's a great place to hang out. It's, it's great. If you have an opportunity to get yourself over there, I, I can't recommend it enough. Um, I want to keep us moving a little bit further North. Now let's head over to where they're going to be playing the players championship TPC sawgrass, the stadium course. Um, Do you like playing that golf course? Is it, I mean, we're just coming off of a place that we're talking about is being one of the most fun kind of golf courses. Do you like playing TPC?
1: I do, but you go into it with reasonable expectations, and you have to play the right <laughs> tee boxes out there. If you normally play oh, a 6,500-yard golf course, don't go past 6,200 yards because there is rough, and it is hard to hold those greens. I, I'll share a little story. About 10 years ago, I qualified for the State Amateur um, you, you had to play a local qualifier. I got through, I play, ended up playing against the, the top college kids and the top players in the state up at TPC Sawgrass. And the Florida State Golf Association, when they set up a golf course, uh, tends to have you play it at full length. I, I think we played it longer than the tour Pros did. And, you know, at, at the time, I, I could hit a driver 270 yards, uh, you know, 260 in the air with 10 yards of roll or, yeah. or something like that. I could barely play that golf course off the back tees. I, I played uh, – Pretty well in, in the rounds up there. And one day I, I played really well and I shot 77. So, you know, I shoot 69 in a qualifier on a, a former tour course here in Orlando to qualify for the tournament. I go up there and play equally as well, and, as, and I'm 10 shots off that pace basically because it's just so difficult. And to, to hit a ball, to, to hit a drive 270 yards, you very easily can have 200 yards left into the green out of rough. So now you're trying to hit a hybrid or hit a 3-iron or 4-iron or something like that out of 4-inch rough into a green that's not made to hold that shot. It, it, you, you can beat yourself up out there. But at the same time, there are some holes out there that are just a whole lot of fun. C- coming down that finishing stretch, you know, whenever you see a golf course on TV year after year, and the stadium course turns 40 this year, um, you, you want to play those holes. You want to enjoy them. The, the 15th hole, in reality, is nothing like what you see on TV. You You watch... I remember going back a few years uh, to where the pros were hitting three woods off the tee and the, the fairway curves at about that point at about 280 yards for them. And then it goes across a pond and the green just sticks out to the side. And there's not a lot of bailout to the, the left side. And the the layup area is not very inviting. It, it's peat diet. It's finest. You've got so many options on how to try to navigate that last 250 yards of that hole. Uh, and the, the tour pros make it look easy when you're out there trying to do it yourself. it It's anything, but easy. it's not. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it it's not. I the word easy and TPC Sawgrass are, are rarely mentioned in the same sentence. To me, it is maybe to me the, the most visually intimidating golf course I've ever played. Um I remember Carnoustie over in in Scotland was ha, had an aura about it of toughness. Um and I think a lot of that is the Ben Hogan thing, but we played it on the perfect sort of like steely gray, cold wind um kind of a kind of a day the first time I played it. When you get to TPC Sawgrass, you're you're already thinking about 17 as you pull into the driveway and park your car. It is visually as striking and and intimidating golf course as I can think of.
1: Yeah, and the the 17th hole, it's one of the most famous holes in the world. Got to be the most famous hole yeah. in this state. Uh, you know, it's a 140 yard shot. It, it, there shouldn't be anything to it. But when you get up over there, especially if you're in a tournament, it, it is hard to make that swing and commit. the The wind is moving in all these different directions. Uh, at one second the wind will be hard off the right, the next second it's straight downwind and you're trying to club yourself into these little portions. That green really has three sections. There's the front section which is kind of a bowl. Uh, You'll watch players hit the ball 20 feet past the hole and then it trundles back down the hill uh, uh, to the cup and you'll see hole-in-ones when they have it down there because it kind of feeds it down that way. But then going to the back left hole position you've got to fly it over the bowl so you're really only hitting at about an area that's one-third the depth of the green because if you fly at flag high and the greens are firm, and especially if it's downwind at all, the ball's just going to hop right over the back and go over the boards, and you see that over and over. And then that back right position on 17, it's like it's not even on the green. If the tee box is over on the right side of the tee, on the far right, where they tend to play the, the, uh, the players from, the bunker looks like it's in the middle of the green, and the flag is hanging out over the lake on the right side of it over some boards, and you don't yeah. even really see the green, and that, that is such an intimidating shot. You know, you're know, you trying to hit a ball into an area the size of a, the hood of your car, and you have to control the spin just right. You have to control the distance just right to get it to stop back there on the right. And if that's a hole that you have to make birdie and that flag is back there on the right, you know, good luck. Uh, even to the best players in the world, that's just an incredibly hard shot. Uh, even if they're hitting a pitching wedge or a 9-iron and uh, I'll tell you when I played that state tournament there I hit one of the uh, shots that that you would never see I made one of the craziest par threes ever on 17 because I hit a ball the the pin was on the front in the bowl I go right over the top of it it bounces I think it goes over the green and I'm pretty sure I'm in the water and then the rules official back there signals that I'm up and I'm like well where can it be up We walk around. You you basically walk to the back side of that green and then come over the boards, and the boards are covered with carpet. Somehow my ball rolled down the board, stayed on the carpet, so I'm on the little walkway out onto the island. And so I'm in the hazard, but I've got a shot. I play a lob wedge off of the carpet uh, to the front of the green, bounce it down there to about six feet, and made the putt. So it's got to be one of the the strangest par threes ever uh, because I, I missed the green and I made a par, and that just doesn't happen there very often.
0: Yeah, I bet not. I bet not. What else is around there that people should maybe check out? I and mean, If you're going to go as a fan to see the Players' Championship and you bring your sticks along with you, there are other golf courses that are sort of in the greater Jacksonville, um, North Florida kind of area. What else is going to be worth people's time that maybe should they, they should know about?
1: Well, right next door, uh, a lot of people out there watching the Players' Championship don't realize there's another very solid golf course built by Pete Dye right next door. It's, it's TPC Sawgrass Dyes Valley. And... Uh, The range separates the the two first holes. So you've got number one teeing off uh, on uh, the player's stadium course. You go past the range. You loop around through a little bit of woods and over a bridge, and all of a sudden you're at Dye's Valley. And that is a a more traditional Pete Dye golf course. It wasn't built to host the, the championships. But it is a golf course with a lot of water, really fantastic green complexes and uh, runoffs, rough, everything you would want on a peak dive golf course. And that course likely is going to move back into our top 25 this year in uh, the state uh, list for public access golf courses. So you don't even have to leave the parking lot. There's a, there's another great golf course right next door, and a lot of people just don't realize what's over there.
0: I'll also be the first, the first person to tell you, I don't know what's over there when it comes to the Florida Panhandle. You know, it's the, you gave me a segue right in there. Is, uh, as someone who is – born and lived pretty much all of his life except for a couple winners in the aforementioned florida keys in the northeast um i know nothing about pensacola panama city um any of those places that, that are up there but i know that you've got some family up there you've spent some, from a golf standpoint what's that area like
1: well you don't leave out my hometown of niceville uh, you, you know it's a special place when the town is called niceville the the air force uh paid the town to change its name from Boggy Bayou because none of the Air Force officers wanted to live in Boggy Bayou so now they live in Niceville but the um, it's basically lower Alabama is what we call it up there and that's where I went to high school and right across from Destin in the Fort Walton Beach area so I was kind of right smack dab in the middle of the panhandle and the the panhandle is set up to where there's a, a major beach town about every hour along the road so coming in from Alabama you would hit Pensacola Then an hour later, you've got Fort Walton Beach and Destin. Then an hour later, you've got Panama City. Then an hour later, Tallahassee. And some of the best golf is centered around Destin. Uh, I'm a big fan of the area. I I call it home, but I'm always proud of it. There's the Sand Destin Resort, which has multiple courses out there, some of the top courses in the state. It's a giant resort with options to stay in cabins. You can stay in uh, condos. You can stay in big high-rise hotels if you want to. And there are uh, three golf courses out there that really stand out um so that that's really good florida beach panhandle golf up there um, then there are just a variety of stuff stretching from Destin out to an area called sand Destin, which is about halfway over to panama city there's three or four courses out that way there's a greg norman course uh, there, there's a fazio course out there it's just a, a lot of options through that area and the area is growing really fast and the golf courses have grown with it So there's a lot of options through the Panhandle. Uh, As you move north off the beach, you tend to run into more of the the $30 daily fee kind of courses. Uh, It doesn't mean they're not Mm -hmm. good. It doesn't mean they're not worth your time. But they're they're not really anything you would travel across the the country to play. But uh, uh, there's a lot of options up there. there. There's not the standouts that you would find in South Florida. Uh, but th- there's still a lot of options in the panhandle and the thing up there is it's less crowded it, it feels like a different part of the state it feels more like you're in the south um, so it you know the-, the Florida panhandle really doesn't feel like the rest of Florida it- it's a different part of the state and it's its own thing up there
0: mm-hmm. for people who are flying in is the move to go into Mobile and then sort of drive over or would you recommend people look into getting into Pensacola or maybe driving into Tallahassee and, and doing the shoot over what's the best way to get there
1: well, i got to tell you, most of the people don't fly in. They drive in. And all the way from Texas, they're getting a bunch of people from Texas now driving in. You know, that's an eight- or nine-hour drive to the Panhandle. But Tennessee, Georgia, uh, uh, all through the, the south, Mississippi, Alabama, that, that's where the, the tourism population comes into the Florida Panhandle. So most of it's drive in. But if you were to fly in, I would recommend flying into uh, Pensacola. has a fair amount of flights. You can get a connector out of there through Atlanta. Same with Tallahassee. And then there's a, a small uh, kind of exciting uh, runway there in Fort Walton Beach because you land on Eglin Air Force Base, which is where all the jet fighters are, F-16s, F-15s, and the new F-35s are parked along the runway. And the civilian planes land in with those. So sometimes you're on approach and you look out your window and you see two F-16s a couple miles away. And it, so it's just kind of cool. It's eye-opening for people who don't realize that they're landing on, a, an, on an Air Force Base. So it, that, that's a very small, easy-to-navigate airport. But there, there's not a whole lot of options out of there. But you can get to Atlanta. And from Atlanta, you can get anywhere. Yeah.
0: So uh, thankfully, those guys are on our team. It sounds like, from what you're telling me, Jason, that um, for people who are looking to sort of make life easy for themselves, they, they want the good buddy trip experience, the two sort of go-to moves are fly into Tampa, or I guess potentially Sarasota, and then head over to Streamsong. Um, because that sounds like one-stop shopping for some outstanding golf, one place don't need the car. That's great. The other move is then to fly into Jacksonville and head over to TPC and sort of use that area as the, the hub. Um, obviously there's, there's a couple courses at, um, Sawgrass, but there's some other places that are in and around there. Would, for, as far as buddy trips goes, does that seem to be the, the two go-to moves for people?
1: Uh, they, those are good ones. Uh, there are other ones as well. But the, as you mentioned earlier, when you talked about how you drove into Jacksonville and re- didn't realize you had eight more hours down to Miami, the, the thing about coming to Florida is you've got to understand how big the state is. Uh, I'll share my own story. Yeah. When, when I was a cub reporter working in Pensacola, uh, we had somebody from out west called us and asked if we were covering uh, a junior baseball game. And I, I looked and dug around for a minute and realized that the game was in the Keys. And I had to tell this uh, assigning editor from another newspaper that I could drive to Chicago before I could drive to the Keys from Pensacola. Yeah. So so don't yeah. come to Florida planning to drive all these different places. Are you going to spend all your time in the car? Pick a hub, you know, pick Naples, pick Tampa, pick Orlando, pick the Southeast Coast, Jacksonville, whatever it is that you want to go to, and just stay there and really immerse yourself in that one area instead of trying to chase it all over the state. Uh, There's one exception to that, and that's if you're coming down for spring training baseball, which is going on right now. Um, In Florida, the baseball parks are spread all over uh, in kind of a U-shape, running down from Tampa, where the Yankees uh, do their spring training and and several other teams, Mm -hmm. Toronto. It it runs all the way down the state, crosses Alligator Alley at the south side of the state, and then there's some more games over on the uh, East Coast. And uh, you're going to have to drive if you want to see different baseball teams that way. But if you're just coming purely for vacation and want to relax pick a spot and stick to it don't don't try to play tpc sawgrass and then the next day try to play stream song and then the next day head down towards miami because you're going to spend all your time in the car it's just not worth it to try to fight that kind of traffic that we have down here in the winter just uh pick one spot you know put your feet in the sand and enjoy yourself
0: sounds like good advice to me jason i want to thank you for giving us a little uh florida golf primer i'm looking forward to watching some Florida golf here as the PGA Tour makes its Florida swing as we get ready to head to our, towards the Masters. Uh, advice duly noted. The 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 golf bag is packed. I'm getting ready on uh, Sunday evening. Looking forward to flying into Orlando and uh trying to sneak away. Don't tell our boss, but uh, I will look forward to trying to sneak away for at least a little while and see if I can peg it up sometime. Thanks a lot, buddy.
1: Thank you, David. I'll see you out at Winter Park.
0: You got it.